Amen. Check this out. During the 1950s, this so-called pastor preached a social gospel of human freedom, equality, love, and created a so-called church that was interracial. Uh, It was a mission supposedly for the sick, the homeless, and the jobless, right? Sounds like pretty good. And and before you knew it, this quasi-pastor assembled a large following listen of 900 members. And everything seemed to be going fine until the government investigated his supposed cures for cancer, heart disease, and arthritis. And after being under this scrutiny, they decided, uh, we better move. And so they began to skirt around. First, they went to Ukiah, if you're familiar with that area up in Northern California. Uh, Then they ran down to San Francisco. And then they even went off and hid out in Los Angeles. But it wasn't long before suspicions were raised of illegal activities within the church. And so this supposed man of God moved some of the people to Guyana, where they leased about 4,000 acres of dense jungle from the local government there. And soon this self-proclaimed prophet developed a belief called translation in which he and his followers would all die together and they would move to another planet with a life of bliss. But soon the authorities from the United States came to check out the rumors that this place was being run like a concentration camp and that people were being held there against their own will. So when they were getting ready to leave, armed church security guards opened fire, killed one U.S. congressman and four other people. And now fearing retribution, the leaders reached a consensus to, quote, commit group suicide. And when all was said and done on November 18, 1978, listen, some 914 people died. 638 adults, listen, 276 children. And the church was called the People's Temple. And of course, the so-called pastor was Jim Jones. Now, folks, how many of you guys remember that? That was a horrible atrocity stain on the church. But I got a problem with that guy and what he did. That is not Christians, and that's not Christianity. You can call yourself a pastor, so-called prophet of God, but you ain't one. Okay, no shepherd of Jesus Christ would do that, and uh, that's your problem. You're not a prophet of God. But as horrible as that was, folks, and frankly, it was, and with all due respect to the families and the people involved and lost loved ones, okay, I'm not here to uh, downplay that, but uh, believe it or not, a similar deadly scenario like that is happening across America every single day, and it's not just affecting hundreds, but millions. And can anybody guess what behavior that is? It's when we, the church, walk around acting like we got this thing called practical amnesia, right? All right, and, and, you, and what do we do? We, we say we know who we are as the church, but half the time with our lips and our lives, what are we doing? We act like we don't even know who we are, okay? As the church, what Jesus saved us for, okay? And it's not just detrimental in our walk with Christ. That could keep somebody from coming to Christ, okay? And so to avoid this irony of you and I as Christians living like we got this practical amnesia by not knowing who we are, here's the word you haven't heard in 14 weeks. Who's counting? I am, Mary. It's conclude. Turn to somebody who's way beyond six feet away from you and say, conclude, right? What a word to use. Enjoy the echo in the sanctuary. Conclude, 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 conclude. That's why we're gonna conclude, believe it or not, our study the character of the church. Now, we've already seen the first thing to recap because that's what you got to do when you teach uh, recap that uh, what do we got to know about the church if we're going to get away from this practical amnesia? Number one, we're the body of Christ, amen? We're not a building. It's not a place you go. We are the church, okay? We're a body of one, a body of hope, a body of joy, a body of love, a body of peace, a body of strangers, a body of disciples, a body of servants, a body of rebels, a body of worshipers, a body of warriors. And last time, if you guys were here, we are a body of what? witnesses okay unfortunately we saw the sad news the bible says we're supposed to be witnesses for christ declaring the gospel to the lost right it's good news what's there to be ashamed of problem is what man looks like we're we've actually stopped witnessing to the lost well why how could that happen well we saw three things one we stopped praying for the lost okay we stopped uh, sharing with the lost and frankly honestly it looks like we've stopped caring for the lost 
In essence, we're basically saying, hey, I'm going to heaven, you're not, (laughs) go to hell. Who cares? Now, that sounds harsh, but folks, when we have no concern for the lost, that's really what's going on. Okay, and I don't know about you, but my theory is, I don't think that's the kind of church that Jesus had in mind, okay, when he died on the cross, amen? Okay, we need to get busy being witnesses for Christ, but that's not all I'm still preaching, so guess what, Debbie? There's got to be more, and what was that exciting word? Conclude. Our concluding topic is this. Listen, the 14th and final thing. Can I get a drum roll from all two of you here today? All right. That the church, what are we going to do? We are a body of winners. Huh? Turn to somebody. See, I'm a winner in Christ, right? Now, I didn't say that. He did, man. This is, man, of all times to have this message come out. It's almost like God knows what he's doing, right? But again, I didn't say it. Jesus did, right? Open your Bibles to John 16. Of course, John was written by John, you biblical scholars. John 16, we're going to look at verses 17 through 33. Uh, a substantial passage here, but basically the context, of course, Jesus is telling the disciples, listen, in this world you're going to have trouble, okay? There might be a, a temporary time of grief, okay, but uh, Jesus has overcome this world, and our grief is going to turn to joy. It's going to be a permanent joy. It's going to be a joy that nobody could take away. So keep that in mind no matter what you go through, and just understand that we are winners, all right? Let's go ahead and stand as we read God's holy word, but here's what he says, uh, John 16, starting with 17. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean a little while? We, we, we don't understand what he's saying. Well, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices, but you will grieve, but your what? Your grief will turn into what? Joy. And then he gives the analogy. He says, this is common sense. A woman giving birth to a child has got pain. Ladies, how many say amen? Right? Where you sitting there going, woohoo, this is great. I can't wait to do this again. No, not, not during birth anyway. Okay. <laughs> so when, she's got, when she's giving birth to a child, she's got pain because her time has come. But when the baby is born, what? She forgets all that stuff, man. She forgets the anguish because her joy of the child has been born into the world. So it is with you, Jesus said. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you'll what? You'll rejoice. And listen to this one. And who? What? No one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be what? Complete, okay? Though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming, okay? Uh, a time is coming when, when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I'll tell you plainly about my Father. And in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I'll ask a Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I come from God. I came from the Father and in the world. Now I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. And then his disciples said this. Now you're speaking clearly without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things. What's it? Jesus what? You mean to tell me like right now what's going on in the world? He didn't say, angels, why didn't you tell me? You were supposed to send me a text. I better move to plan B. Oops, I didn't see that one coming. Sorry, guys, you're on your own. Jesus what? He knows all things, folks, okay? And that you don't even need to have to ask a, a, a question. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you'll be scattered each to his own home. You'll leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone because my Father is with me. Now listen, I've told you all this in advance. Why? So that in the government, 
No, in hoarding up toilet paper. No, in beating that person with that last bag of beans. No, in who? Me, God, you may have what? Peace. Now, listen, in this world, yeah, of course, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart. What? I, Jesus, have overcome this world. Now, you can be seated if you can, okay? But what we see here, great passage, man. Talk about applicable, but Jesus basically is telling his disciples, and dare I say, even today, he says, listen, in this world, you're gonna have what? You're gonna have trouble. So what's that mean? You're gonna have high times, low times. It's not always gonna be perfect. In fact, he even says, sometimes it's gonna be pretty hard and, and, and you're gonna have times of what? Grief. But what's he say? That grief is only going to be what? Temporary. It's not gonna last forever, okay? In fact, he says, it's gonna turn one day when he comes back. It's not just gonna turn into a joy. It's gonna turn into a permanent joy. And then he says, that joy is gonna be absolutely secure, a joy that nobody can take away. Now, folks, is that awesome or what? And so basically, in essence, what is Jesus saying? Don't worry. Be at peace. In fact, dare I say, smile. He has whooped the pants off the devil. He beat him on the cross. Jesus Christ is one. And so since we belong to him, and he's won all this for us, and these are his promises, and last time I checked, he never loses. That makes us the church of what? A bunch of winners. Nobody has a brighter future than us. Is this more applicable than what? I didn't even plan on this, but God did. Okay, and so that's the point, right? I mean, surely we know this as Christians. We know that we're gonna have a hard time just like everybody else in the world, but what makes us different? Man, we can go through those differences with our head held high, a smile on our face because we're not a bunch of losers. We're a bunch of winners. Jesus is the one who's in charge of everything. He knows all things. He's God. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. We ain't got nothing to worry about. We're his children. Nothing enters the sphere of our lives without his divine permission. So get out there and have a great day. We know that, right? Well, I hope so. Unfortunately, folks, you look like most churches today, listen, it doesn't look like we're victorious winners in Christ. By the looks on our faces and our attitudes, it looks like we're a bunch of losers in Christ. We're acting like God's shriveled up and dried up on the throne. Like he doesn't know what he's doing. What Bible are you reading or is that the issue? You're not reading your Bible. You got that TV on way too long, man. You need to get in the word of God and let him renew your mind. He's the one in charge, folks. But my question is today, why do we do this? I mean, we're Christians. Come on, do you think this is a basic thing? Remember when you first got saved? Woohoo, I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. Man, I, and heaven's going to be awesome. And I get to go to the middle of the kingdom. And Jesus is coming back. And it's going to be amazing. Nobody's got a better future. Remember, what, did we forget this? Why in the world are we walking around, even this time, even before this virus hit, why are we walking around looking like a bunch of losers in Christ when we should be winners in Christ? Well, I got four reasons. The first one is this, and the, it's this. Why do we look like losers in Christ? We've forgotten that he has won a fantastic paradise with him. You understand this? Do you understand there's more to being saved than just having your sins forgiven? Now, praise God for that, amen? And then there's more, believe it or not, of getting saved and Jesus rescuing us from the penalty of sin, i.e., we're not going to hell. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not going to hell, right? Believe it or not, that should inspire you much more than 8,000 rolls of toilet paper, right? That'll keep a smile on your face. And that's cool, so praise God for the forgiveness of our sins. Praise God we're not going to hell, but that's not all. It's not just the negative he saved us from, it's the positive he saved us for. And when you keep that in mind, in the midst of hard times, which he said are gonna come to this planet, man, you could put up with anything because you got something to look forward to, right? And that's actually, believe it or not, what the great man of God, Moses, did 
in his hard time. Watch this, Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to take the easy way out. He refused to compromise. He refused to go along with this wicked world system. Instead, he chose to be what? Mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Well, why? Because he regarded disgrace for the sake of who? Christ, the Messiah, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, okay? Right, somebody could have come up to him back in the day and said, hey, listen, I'll tell you what, Moses, we're not just gonna give you some toilet paper. We're gonna give you access, full access to Charmin, the whole company. Okay, I'll compromise. It doesn't matter, folks. You ain't gonna get him to sell out. Why? Because he was looking forward to what? He was looking ahead to his reward, okay? And this is what we see. The great and mighty man of God, Moses, he made a deliberate choice to what? To purposely go through hard times, to not compromise on God's word, to do what God said to do, to literally be purposely mistreated with the people of God instead of enjoying the easy way out, enjoying the pleasures of sin, okay? And so why did he do that? he was looking forward to being blessed by God by getting a brand new chariot with chrome wheels. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what life's all about. You got to just get a hot ride, man. You know what I'm saying? Or, or material things. And that. No. no, he was doing this. He put up with this because he was looking forward to getting elected on the Egyptian corporate board, right? Because that's what he was doing. It's all about money. You know the routine. If life would be great if you just had enough money. And that's what he was doing, right? I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. That's what, that's what gives me hope. No, what did it say there? He didn't do it because he was wanting to get on a corporate board. He did it because he was looking forward to his heavenly reward. That's why he could put up with that. And so again, surely we know this. Just like with Moses, he went through hard times. How would you guys like to trample through the desert for 40 years? We live in the desert, but we don't trample through it. <laughs> we got all kinds of amenities. He trampled through that thing, right? With these people who whine and complain. <laughs> Man, this guy put up with a bunch why? How could he do that? He wasn't looking for the things on this earth. The reward's not here, it's to come. And that's where his focus was, right? And so we know that. And so we know that's the key, certainly at all times, certainly this time, that if we're going to move forward through this, because guess what? We're going through this, folks, unless the rapture happens. Okay, but listen, we can make it. It's not a big deal. In essence, God's in control. We can endure any problem, any trial on earth, because we know, listen, our focus is not on this earth. It's the world to come. It's what God has won for us so that, yeah, maybe we're going to have some temporary grief. Yeah, it's going to have some hard times. But man, you still can't slap that smile off my face because I'm looking forward to my reward. Amen? Amen. Unfortunately, folks, that's not what's going on. And I'll be honest with you. We don't look like a bunch of winners right now as Christians. We look like a bunch of losers. Okay, you look at most churches today, man, it looks like, listen, they just got audited by the IRS. Somebody ran over their dog and their house just burnt down and somebody stole their toilet paper. (sighs) Life is over. (laughs) Why? Because we've got our eyes off of Christ. Shut the goofball TV off and turn on the word of God. That's what will put peace in the midst. I'm not saying put your head in the sand and act like it's not happening because it's happening. But you better be in the word of God, Christian. We need to be those positive witness for people around us. We have forgotten, frankly, what Moses knew so well. Folks, we are not, get your eyes off of this messed up earth. 
We're saved for a place beyond our wildest dreams. And it's not pie in the sky. It's real. It's called heaven. It's paradise, okay? And paradise is not just real. But when you take a look at the biblical description of it, man, this is awesome. You can put up with anything when you realize what's coming, right? Okay, in fact, let's do that. Let's, let's break it down. I did this one day. I broke it down based on the biblical description of heaven that there's no more mourning or crying or sin, amen, no more darkness, right? So break it down. That means in heaven, we will never experience any one of these things ever again. Not just for a weekend, not just for two weeks. This is what we got to look forward to and it's real, okay? Let's take a look at that. In heaven, there's not gonna be any other war. War is gone. Nobody will ever ridicule you or ever make fun of you. There'll be no more debt. Nobody's heart will be ripped apart by a divorce. You won't have to put your pet to sleep. Nobody's ever going to be rude. People won't ever complain to you or about you. The only news is good news. Heaven, there's never going to be a bad thought, let alone bad day ever. There's no such thing as depression, only unspeakable joy. You'll never have to say sorry or please forgive me. There's no more diets. Anybody say amen? Okay. Uh, you'll never have to pay for insurance. It's going to be tax-free. All your memories are nothing but wonderful. In heaven, there won't be anybody a victim of child abuse or any kind of abuse. There's no longer a center for disease control. There's no police. There's never unexpected car repairs. There'll never be an argument in heaven. Isn't that amazing? You'll never hear somebody say, I just don't have enough time for you. <laughs> there's plenty of time. It's eternity, right? In heaven, there's nothing to stress about. You'll never wonder if people like you. Everybody does. You'll never have to bury your child, your loved one, anyone ever again. There's no bullies to deal with. You won't feel like you're not loved. You'll always be safe. There's no danger of any kind. You'll never have to look at another needle. People won't talk behind your back. There's no corrupt politicians. No one's corrupt. There's not even such thing as a bad relationship. You won't ever feel guilty. Listen, you won't have to eat bran muffins, tofu, or rice cakes. Now, I put that in there for me. But I'm looking forward to that, okay? Now, there's no more dentist chairs. You won't have another sleepless night. You won't ever wonder, what is life all about? You'll never do anything wrong. People will never get robbed. There's no nuclear program of any kind. In heaven, it's no bitterness. It's all blessedness. They won't make caskets in heaven. In heaven, you won't need or let alone pay for counseling. There's nothing to be afraid of. People will never lie to you. There's no credit cards. You'll never feel like you're just not good as the rest. Uh, in heaven, there's no vaccinations. There's nothing to cure. There's no poverty. Everybody's got plenty. Uh, you'll never fear failing something. You won't have to wait the news of a biopsy test. Cancer is gone. In heaven, it, everybody's got a place to call home. People won't hate each other. You'll never be exhausted. People won't judge you or listen. They won't judge you anymore, and you'll never be a slave to that sin. Wow, man, you won't be afraid of others. You, you won't be wrongly accused. There are no bad days. You'll never be lonely. You'll never have mood swings, only peace that passes all understanding. Men, can I get an amen? Yeah. I was actually better. I was getting ready to call you a bunch of chicken livers, but let's just move on. Uh, but we can have mood swings too, as men. Uh, you won't have to hurry up and rush. There's just no rush. Plenty of time. You'll never go to court. There's no verbal abuse. There's no debates. You won't have to eat hospital food again. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you won't have to live to another disaster, let alone what's going on now. You won't have to balance your checkbook. You won't have an anxiety detector. There's nothing to be anxious about. There's no thoughts of suicide. You won't be afraid of the dark. There is no darkness. Headaches are a thing of the past. Nothing in life is unfair. People won't be selfish. It's 100% pain free 100% of the time in heaven. There's no nursing homes. People won't hurt each other. There's no child custody battles. People won't go to funerals. And listen, you'll never have to say goodbye to your loved one ever again. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, I don't know about you, but when you take a look at what Jesus won for us, yes, praise God, the forgiveness of sin. Yes, praise God, rescuing us from hell. <laughs> we got a lot to look forward to. No wonder Moses could put up with that for 40 years in the desert. And how about us? Okay, but that's all. I got to give you this. We've talked about this before. But man, heaven is so cool. And believe it or not, God even says, as cool as that is, based on the biblical description, you ain't seen nothing yet. In fact, God even says, it'll blow you away. You can't even contain what I, I haven't told you everything about heaven. 
Now, see, I didn't say that he did. That's this passage of scripture. I love this. First Corinthians 2, 9. This is what the scriptures mean when they say this. No what? Eye has seen, no ear has heard, and your mind, you can't even imagine, okay, what God has prepared for those who love him. So what's he saying here? You can't literally, this side of heaven, comprehend everything I'm gonna do for you in heaven and the existence of heaven. Your eyes can't contain it right now. Your ears can't contain it right now. In fact, your mind, you can't even conceive of what it's gonna be like that I have prepared for those, my children. But I'm a guy, so we gotta still try to figure it out. As we've seen before, this guy breaks it apart scientifically with our five senses. If God expanded our senses to the max, which would be a legitimate thing because we lose the sin nature. Watch what we're going to be doing in heaven. This is wild. Let's take a look. This is the electromagnetic spectrum. This contains all the different wavelengths, radio waves, microwaves, including a small piece called light. Now your eyeball can see the colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet. That's all. The spectrum goes forever in both directions beyond that. Suppose we get to heaven and God gives us new eyes that can see the entire spectrum. That means there'll be brand new colors. Trillions of them. Not new shades of these colors. Brand new colors. That's why heaven has to be so large. It's for the women's closets. (laughs) My wife is going to say, honey, does this go with this? I said, dear, I couldn't figure it out back on earth. She has to number my ties to go with my suits. It's not that I'm colorblind. It's that I don't know what goes with what. Secondly, I don't care. I just want to get dressed. Lay it out, would you? Anybody else feel that way about it? Say, don't tell me about it. Just put it together for me, please. Can you imagine if we get new eyes that can see the whole spectrum, you're going to be able to see the sounds coming off the piano. Right now, we can only hear them. Imagine seeing the sounds. What if we get new ears that can hear the whole spectrum? You're going to be able to hear the colors. Wow. Or smell them. Yellow. Or taste them. Ah, Green. Wow. We've only got five senses, folks. Maybe there's more. But if God just took these five and expanded them to the max, we would spend forever walking around heaven going, wow, wow. Have you smelled that? Come here. Lick that. Wow. <laughs> well, I was right. What, what's the scripture say? That's what I love about that, that illustration there. Scientifically, even. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Your mind, you can't even conceive of what this place is that God has prepared for us in the future, okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing what God says. And when you put all this together and you don't forget about it, and that's the point. And folks, why of all times, this time, or frankly, any time as a Christian, even before this virus started, why are we walking around looking like a loser in Christ instead of a winner in Christ? This is just one aspect of what he's won for us, okay? I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just something as simple as we've got our eyes off of heaven and we got it on to this wicked earth. He told us you're gonna have troubles. He told us this ain't heaven. Heaven comes later. Could it be something as simple that we've forgotten that Jesus is one for us, the Christian? A fantastic paradise 
no virus, no shortages of toilet paper, no shortages of any kind. It's amazing. You can't even imagine how awesome it's going to be. Have we forgotten that? I think so. Number two, the second reason why we unfortunately look like a bunch of losers in Christ instead of winners in Christ, we've forgotten that he gives us a fantastic body. Now, if you're below the age of 20, you probably still don't get this or appreciate this. Uh, the rest of us, this what? Preacher, preach it, preach it loud. <laughs> you know, this is good news, man. Woo-wee. But this is what he says. We don't just get a new place to live in. We get new bodies to enjoy that new place in. It's awesome. It's a two-bang punch, man. It's awesome, man. This is what Paul says in the great resurrection chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 and 44. It's the same way for the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies, which what? Die, okay, and decay, will be different when they're resurrected. You get that, right? It ain't gonna be like now. For they will what? They're never gonna die. There's natural body, human bodies now. That's what we're dealing with. But what? When they're raised, they'll be what? Spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, so also there are spiritual bodies. You may not see it now, but it's gonna happen. Okay? Just like we got bodies in, we're gonna have bodies in the future existing with God, but they're gonna be different. And they're gonna be absolutely awesome. We are not gonna continue to exist in heaven as we continue to exist right? You're going around, walking around heaven going, oh wow, do you smell that? Mm, look at that, look at that. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Oh, my back. Oh. No. We don't just get a new place. We get a new body to enjoy that place. Our body, it says, listen, must out of necessity be changed to partake of these absolutely mind-blowing surroundings that God has won for us. And the first thing it says there is our bodies will be imperishable. Think about that. Break it down. Let's get, break it down like we did with the description of heaven. That means your body, as it says, it will never what? Your body will never die. It will not rot. It will not decay. It won't break down. It won't age. Think about what that means. That means no more backaches, no more broken bones, no more diseases, ladies, no more anti-aging creams, right? No more uh, age spots, no more crinkling up, no more none of that stuff. Our bodies will cease to wear down. In fact, no more will you ever have conversations with your Christian friends like this. Watch this. One day, this group of Florida senior citizens, they were sitting around talking about their, all their ailments, right? As the older they got. And, and one, one person piped in and said, my, my, my arms are so weak, I, I, I can hardly hold my cup of coffee. And the other person said, yeah, I know. My, my cataracts are so bad, I can't even hardly even see my coffee. And another person with a, a pipe tent said, oh yeah, well, uh, it's gotten where I can't hear anything anymore. And then the fourth person said, oh man, I know what you mean. I, I can't turn my head because of the arthritis in my neck. And, and the other one says, well, well, that's nothing. My blood pressure pills make me dizzy all the time. And then another person said, oh man, you think that's bad? Well, I can't even remember what I'm doing half the time. If I don't make myself a note, I forget what I'm trying to do in the first place. And the old wise man in the group, he pipes up and he shakes his head and says, well, I guess that's the price. We pay for getting old. And then there was a short moment of silence and one woman cheerfully announced, she said, well, it's not that bad. Thank goodness we can all still drive. <laughs> Turn to somebody with the echo in the room today and say, get off the road, get off the road, get off the road, get off, get off the road. <laughs> but think about it, folks. We're never gonna exist like that anymore. We're not gonna have those kind of conversations. That will never be your reality in heaven. Why? Because the Bible says our bodies are gonna be imperishable right? They're going to be perfect. No problems, no defects, nothing whatsoever. And then it didn't just say that. It says they're not just going to be imperishable. They are going to be spiritual, which means, read the Bible, what a concept. Our bodies are going to be like Jesus after he was resurrected, okay? We get resurrected bodies too. And when you do the characteristics in the study of Jesus' resurrected body, okay, it was not affected by matter, 
right? He could just walk through doors. Uh, he, he, can, he could travel instantly anywhere. He was one minute, he was there. The next minute, he was gone. And yes, for those of you wondering, because this is very important for Christians, we're still gonna have the ability to eat food. <laughs> yeah, isn't that awesome? Potlucks forever. That's awesome, man. Okay, and we see that because the Bible says Jesus ate food with his disciples after the resurrection, right? And he wasn't some see-through thing going on. Right, he's over there eating fish with the disciples, and they're all getting freaked out. Oh, look, it's going down his esophagus into his gut. I can see right through him. Right? No, it's it's, it's a regular body, but you can still eat. It's a, everything is made new in Jesus Christ. Is that good news or what? Right? Not just heaven, but even the body. So I don't know about you, but it looks like just like Moses, looks like we Christians got a lot to look forward to. And then when you look forward to that, then guess what? It keeps you from going looking like a loser in Christ instead of a winner in Christ. And I think that's what's happened, folks. We have forgotten that this is the key to face any trial, any heartache, anything that comes our way, including a virus on this planet, is because what we have to look forward to makes everything pale in comparison. And it's high time we get out there and say, no, there's something more to live for. And it's not a pipe dream, it's real, okay? So if we're looking like a loser instead of a winner, you need to get your eyes off this, listen, even this messed up, decayed, it's coming kids, be encouraged, messed up, decayed body. Maybe the virus will get your body. I don't know. But that's not your focus. One day, I get a new one with no defects forever. Man, that's awesome. The the third reason why I think we look like a bunch of losers is because we don't stay in heaven, okay? The third thing that, that we've forgotten is Jesus has promised and I, I'll use this deliberately, a fantastic adventure. Now I say that because folks, it's, it's goofy enough that we Christians, you know, will acknowledge, praise God, Jesus saved me from my sin. But then we kind of seem to stop there. Now that's important, praise God for that. But then we kind of ignore the other aspect. Well, hell, what do you mean hell? I haven't heard hell in 20 years in my church, right? And then that's a problem because people need to know what he saved you from. Or if you're not saved, what you need to be saved from. But then you flip it around and it isn't just even those that acknowledge it. It's more than that. It's, it's, yeah, we get to go to heaven if we were to die today, okay, or the rapture happens, or, uh, and we get new bodies to exist forever. That's gonna be absolutely awesome. But listen, we don't always stay in heaven. You didn't realize that. We come back with Jesus to be a part of the millennial kingdom. Have we forgotten this? And folks, when you take a look at the aspect of the millennial kingdom, it is, I believe, the greatest adventure ever. I mean, take your best vacation, take your best experience, and you go, man, that was the best weekend I ever had. Man, that was the best week vacation I ever had. Listen, this goes on for a thousand years. This is awesome. And the planet's gonna be renovated to Garden of Eden-like conditions. It's gonna be amazing, right? And we're gonna get into that in a second. Jesus Christ, listen, if we die today or the rapture happens, we go straight to be with Jesus. Second Corinthians 5, 8 says, absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord just like that. There is no limbo, there's none of that stuff, that's all false teaching, right? And we get to heaven, we get new bodies, right? It's gonna be awesome, okay? But listen, while the world's down here going seven years of God's wrath, we're up in heaven, woo right? Revelation 19, we come back with him and we get to be a part of him renovating the whole planet. We get to rule and reign with him and it's going to be fantastic. Now, I only have time to share you just a couple aspects of what it's going to be like. Now, number one, the Bible says that during the whole time, Satan is going to be bound during the millennial kingdom. Now, that's amazing because think about that. No more devil, no more demons, no more suffering and temptation. All the, all the spiritual baloney we deal with today, gone. 
Now that's awesome in itself. But let me give you a couple other aspects. And the first thing about the millennial kingdom is the Bible says it's going to be a righteous government. Now stop right there because some of you might be thinking, wait a second, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> right? It's like somebody saying, hey, peaceful war. Yeah, no, it's icy hot. No, yummy chicken. Right, see, that's an oxymoron. That doesn't work. Okay, but now you think, oh, wait, wait a second. What do you mean righteous government? Right? No, I didn't say that. Isaiah did. The Bible says Jesus Christ is going to be in charge of the government over the whole planet. Okay, and that's what we see here, Isaiah 9 through 6. We, we quote this all the time during Christmas time. It's like, do you realize what you're talking about? This is the millennial kingdom, right? It says this, for us to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the what? The government, what's that say again? The government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Folks, Isaiah is talking about the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ comes back. After his second coming, he establishes the millennial kingdom and again, we're gonna be there with them. Now the key word there is the word government. This is the government that Jesus is going to run on planet earth, over the whole earth, from Jerusalem during the millennial kingdom. Jesus is going to be in charge, listen, of the government. Okay, and now what's wild is I think sometimes we have a hesitation to think about Jesus being in charge of the government. Okay, for a couple reasons. One, we kind of focus that Jesus was the uh, lamb who was slain on our behalf, and, and rightly so. We even do acknowledge, certainly as those of us study prophecy, and you should because it makes up one third of the Bible, okay, uh, that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back to squash all these enemies and put them down, right? And rightly so. But we kind of hesitate, I think, to think of Jesus. Listen, because this is what Isaiah is basically saying. Jesus is the divine world political ruler. What? We, we don't usually equate that. But that's what he's saying here. That Jesus is going to be in charge of the global, the governance of the whole planet. Uh, which is good news, okay? And again, I think part of it is because government, politics, kind of gets bad rap right and rightly so because they do a lot of unfortunate things we've seen before politics comes from two words poly meaning many and ticks blood-sucking creatures okay so that i can see that one guy said hey listen if all the politicians around the world were lined up around the equator over the ocean the world would be a much better place okay or if uh, (laughs) if pro is the opposite of con then the opposite of progress is congress right and we crack jokes about that but that's really what it is but but the reason why it's hard to think of jesus as a in charge of the government political ruler is because the government rightly so does a bad job some a lot of times uh, they, they are corrupt but not jesus in fact he says there he's not just in charge of the government the word isaiah uses there it's the hebrew word pele and it means listen wonderful astonishing extraordinary literally a marvel and so jesus isn't just going to be ruling over the planet in charge of the government it's going to be listen the most wonderful astounding extraordinary marvelous government you could ever imagine why because jesus christ is the wonderful pele counselor it's going to be fantastic, which means, listen, Jesus will never tell a lie. He cannot lie. He's God. He's holy, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. You're never going to hear statements like this from the lying politicians, right? Remember the one guy? I am not a crook. Remember that one, you liar, right? No, no, remember that guy? Hey, read my lips. No new taxes. You liar, right? Remember the other guy? He says, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. You liar, Remember the previous administration? We are no longer a Christian nation. You liar. Hey, folks, oh, by the way, you'll never hear, as we saw before, you'll never hear statements like this from Bob Hope. Watch this.
You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. Oh, horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? Oh, man. Did he say that? Bob Hope said that, folks. I didn't say that. Okay. Now, before you get all weird and political on me, <laughs> even way back then, man. Woo. All right. But don't miss the point. I don't care what party it is. Democrat, Republicans. Okay. It doesn't matter. When Jesus is ruling and reigning, it's going to be wonderful. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, man. He's the wonderful counselor. Listen, which means nobody can bribe him. You can't lobby against him. You can't make him do anything wrong. He only does that which is right every single time, all the time. That means there's no more elections. Nobody's going to run against him. There's no more election campaigns, no more voting, no more hanging chads. Remember that thing? No more rigged machines, no more mud-slinging political ads, the government oppression, all that's gone nobody can match him listen this whole new world order stuff that we're watching unfold before our very eyes jesus christ is going to roll up just like that and he's going to rule and reign with righteousness over the whole planet the government will be on his shoulders that's our future have we forgotten that as we've seen before that's just the tip of the iceberg we could do a whole study on the millennial kingdom let me give you just one more i still can't wait for this one it's not a pipe dream it's real the second thing there's not just going to be a global righteous government uh there's going to be a global peace with nature right you can have a pet lion a pet tiger pet alligator pet whatever man it's just awesome can you imagine that now, I'm not making this up. This is another thing Isaiah says, right? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. The wolf will what? Live with the lamb. Hey, folks, obviously this is a future event, the millennial kingdom, because if you were to put a wolf with a lamb today, what would you have? In a cage, it, lamb chops. We've seen that before, right? So obviously this is not happening right now, but it will in the future. And, and the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a what? A little kid's going to lead him. Here, come on, buddy. It's going to be awesome. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. So they're going to go back to being vegetarian, not meat eaters, just like in the Garden of Eden prior to the the, uh, flood uh, of Noah. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. The young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the see that's what's going to happen to the planet when jesus christ comes back with us the church and establishes millennial kingdom he's not just going to rule and reign and have a righteous government it's going to be absolutely awesome astounding wonderful fantastic you can't believe it and there is no corruption and satan's not going to be bound during a thousand years no more of the spiritual warfare baloney but he says listen on top of that i'm going to renovate the planet it's going to be like it was supposed to be in the garden of eden before it got messed up and all of nature is at peace this is awesome. I'm not making this up. Listen, all listen, all wild animals today that were freaked out and scared of, including my vicious wiener dogs. They're going to be tame. You won't need zoos. All animals on the planet are going to be tame. And little kids, I don't care. Snake, snake. Have fun with the snake kids. Right? Go 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 right in the back of the bear. Right? What's, you need to move something? Oh, go, go grab the elephant. He'll come over. Come here, Sparky. See, I'm not making this up. This is really, this is our future. Do you, do you, it's, listen, it's not just, yeah, praise God, we got saved from sin. Yes, thank you. 
Yeah, praise God, we're not going to hell. Yes, thank you for that. It's all this. This is our future. This is what we need to focus on. Not all the stuff on this earth. Focus on what's to come like Moses. I can put up with anything because of what I have to look forward to. Now, as we've seen before, sometimes people go, oh, come on. You mean a kid can put his hand in the Bible's nest and he's gonna lead a lion and all that stuff? And that's just, maybe this is symbolic. It's not, no, it's literal. And dare I say, I think sometimes God gives us a sneak peek of how it's supposed to be and how it will be in the millennial kingdom. Watch this. It's not exactly the partner you'd expect a primate to fall for, but an unusual love story has been forced between Surya, the six-year-old orangutan, and a stray hound dog named Roscoe. For these logic-defying friends, it's all hugs and cuddles since the day they met three years ago when Surya spotted the dog from high atop an elephant while on a ride with his trainers at this South Carolina animal park. To me, they seem like long-lost friends. This other, more whimsical partnership between predator and prey has been seen on YouTube some five million times. A cat and a bird that shouldn't get along playing hide-and-seek, even wrestling. Two of nature's enemies frolicking like fast friends. From the hippo and the tortoise who sidle up next to each other, so many of these relationships are hard to explain. How's this for a unique animal friendship? 350-pound lion Bone Digger is best friends with a fearless seven-year-old dash hound dog named Milo. They may seem like unlikely friends, but Jericho the horse is perfectly happy to let this baboon lays on his back while they both soak up the sun. It may look like this dog's days are over, as a jaguar appears to go in for the kill. But things aren't always what they seem. In fact, this unusual pair are actually best friends. These two struck it off straight away. And now this feline-canine combo are inseparable. They don't leave each other, they feed together, sleep together, do everything together. 24 hours a day, they haven't been separated at all. They are like brothers. Sean Ellis from Devon in England has integrated himself into a pack of wild wolves. The pack itself began when the wolves in particular um, were only a few days of age. I still consider myself to be part of that family. Like millions of people around the world, Mark Duma loves nothing more than to take a morning swim. But for him, there is a rather massive difference as Mark swims with a polar bear. Having pet cats may sound run-of-the-mill, but Janice Haley has taken her love of felines to the extreme keeping two huge tigers in her back garden. Sabre, a 600-pound male white Bengal, and Janda, a 400-pound Bengal female, have lived with Janice since they were cubs. With their ability to crunch through human bone in a single bite, getting up close and personal with a 1,300-pound grizzly bear is not for the faint-hearted. But for 71-year-old Doug Zeus, coming face-to-face with the fearsome predators is all in a day's work. Start off. Good. That's good. Ah! Good. Ah, ah. Good. 
This pairing, researchers say, is one of the strangest animal bonds ever seen. A lioness who, instead of eating her dinner, adopts it. I think many people felt that this was, you know, had to be a message from God. Um, this was a miracle. This was, you know, the lion and the lamb laying down together. This is, this is a true story. It's about a lion named Christian. Okay, there were two men who adopted the lion, Ace Berg and John Rendell, and they bought the lion from Harrods Department Store. Who knows that they, you know, who thought right. they, so cubs. And in 1969, and the little cub weighed uh, 35 pounds. A year later, the little cub had grown, and he weighed 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. This is a love story, a true love story. Take a look. Man and beast. <laughs> our future except the whole planet's going to be like that that's what Christ has won for us that's what we have to look forward to the wolf the lamb the leopard the goat the calf the lion the cow the bear John you're going to stick your head in the grizzly bear mouth okay I don't recommend it right now wait till the millennium okay <laughs> the cobra all of nature all will lie down together and a little child will lead them and when you keep that in mind, I'd say, maybe it's just me, but we Christians, we got a lot to look forward to. You know what I'm saying? And when you keep that in your mind, which we should, I'd say any trial, any heartache, anything we ever face on this earth, including this goofball virus going around, uh, I'd say it pales in comparison to that. 
Amen? And so that's the point. If we're walking around life, even right now today, looking like a loser in Christ instead of a winner in Christ, could it be something as simple? We've got our eyes off of Christ onto this wicked world, messed up system, and we've forgotten about our greatest adventure, the millennial kingdom. I think so. But the fourth and final reason I think we look like a bunch of losers in Christ instead of winners is we've forgotten we also have been given a fantastic departure. Even if you are to succumb to the virus and you die last time I checked it's going to happen to all of us one way or another could be the virus could be a car wreck could be a heart attack you could have ate chicken I told you not to but that's on you (laughs) me personally I'm going to try to make dying the last thing I do okay but the scripture is clear we don't even need to be afraid of dying Christ is going to take care of us. He's given us the victory over that. This is the rest of 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through who? through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what Paul is saying. All of us, we got a body, this side of heaven, and it's going to what? Because of the sin nature, it's going to die, okay? But the good news is, when that body dies, what happens? We put on immortality. That's why everybody on the planet, every person, you're going to continue to exist forever, We were created in the image of God morally, but also spiritually. We have an eternal section, a part of us, okay? But it's, guess what? It's not just one place, it's two places. You're gonna continue to exist forever in heaven or hell. And that's the good news. Jesus Christ has come to rescue us from the other place, hell, so that you could go to heaven. But it says, listen, even if you die, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 8, the moment you die, you take your last breath here, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord, is your first breath immediate breath in heaven and so shall it be forever you put on immortality but listen it says that the christian cannot only know that we're going to heaven at the absolute moment we can die listen that we don't even have to be afraid of that moment when we die jesus christ has given us the victory the scripture says that christians are no longer held captive and a slave to the fear of death why because if christ takes care of us here now today on this earth don't you think he's going to take care of us when we depart this earth of course he's not going to say well you're on your own in that part i've taken care of you as your provider this whole time of the earth but when it's your time to come to me you're on your own that's not jesus folks He's going to be right there with us and our departure, I believe, is going to be fantastic. And yet you look at Christians today and this is what they're thinking. Well, what if I do get this virus? What if I get that? Listen, again, we're going to die some way. Again, last time, I'm personally trying to make it the last thing I do, okay? But it's going to happen. But I don't have to be afraid of that. I don't have to be afraid of dying by a virus. I don't have to be afraid of dying by a car wreck. I don't have to be afraid of somebody getting me. I'm not afraid of none of that stuff. Because it doesn't matter. Last time I checked, the moment you die, going to heaven's way better. Number one. And you need to have the attitude of Lazarus, right? Remember when he was raised from the grave, right? And then I don't have time to really get into that. There's a neat study that's going there. Why did Jesus wait uh, the, the days that he did? What was it four days before he went? See, there was a Jewish superstition 
the Jewish, it wasn't because, well, I got, I just, I don't care. And well, you know, some people may have accused him of that. Okay, but no, there was a Jewish superstition that the spirit hovered over the body for three days and then it departed, which obviously isn't true. Okay, but that's what their superstition was. So Jesus, knowing that, he deliberately waited an extra day. So everybody thinks, oh, he's good and dead now. He, and there ain't no hope. It's all gone. In fact, he was there decaying, and they said what? The King James, he stinketh. <laughs> so he's good and decaying, right? And here comes Jesus. What's he do? He not only raises him from the grave, okay, which think about that, but it says there, keep reading the scripture. The scripture says people were getting saved right and left. They were coming to Jesus because this guy was, he stinketh. He's, he's, it's four days. It's impossible. And yet here he is alive. We're walking around. He's eating with his what? And what? Remember the rulers, what they do? They went, they sought out to kill him. Why? Because that's a major evangelistic tool. It's working, right? You don't want to believe in Jesus? Look at Lazarus, right? Now put yourself, I said all that to get to this, into Lazarus' shoes. You're there and you were dead for four days. You came back, okay? And then somebody comes up to you. You better knock it off or we're gonna kill you. Really? <laughs> right? He ain't gonna be afraid. He's already been there, right? God took care of him. God has the power to resurrect him. God's got these, it's the same thing for us. We're, we should be like Lazarus. So what? So what? I die. So what? You're gonna threaten me. So what? You can't take away my future. You can't take, Jesus, he took care of me here. He's gonna take care of me even in my departure. I only have time real quick to give you one example of Christians leaving this planet. And this one, one guy said this, a year and a half ago, he said, my father-in-law died and he was one of the most godly men I ever met. And the day he died, he sat up in bed and he spoke. And you say, well, so what? Well, so this. He said he was having hardening, hardening of the arteries and he wasn't talking at all. But he sat up in bed at six in the morning and his wife said he, he, he looked at the ceiling and he simply said, oh, grave, oh, death. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Praise be to God who gives me the victory. And then she said he waited, and then he said it again even louder. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Praise be to God who gives me the victory. And she said, then he paused, and for the third time, and with full triumph in his voice, my mother-in-law said he was yelling, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Praise be to God who gives me the victory. And he leaned back in bed, and he died. Yeah, he says, what a way to go. He says, to have lived life fully and intensely for Jesus Christ, to have seized the opportunity to live out the will of God, to have been alive to the mercies of God only then when the final test comes can you laugh at Satan and tell him that he has no quarters in your life because you belong to the living Lord Jesus Christ is taking care of us now on the earth he says don't worry about your life what you're going to eat what you're going to drink what you're going to wear Matthew 6 you just seek first his kingdom his righteousness he'll take care of you he also says don't be anxious about anything you got a concern ran out of toilet paper just pray and present your request to God and enjoy his peace in the midst of that he says I'll take care of you when you leave he's left no stone unturned what in the world are we freaking out over we don't need to be afraid of sin. We don't need to be afraid of circumstances. We don't need to be afraid of Satan. Listen, Christian, we don't need to be afraid of dying because absence from the body, bang, instantly. Listen, everything we just talked about gets put into play. In fact, as we close, the Bible says even though God will take care of you, you die as a Christian, you might not even have to die. 
And that's because there's a, a teaching in the Bible, unfortunately, most people skip over it. It's called the rapture of the church. And if we're in that generation, folks, what's the rapture mean? We don't even die. We skip the whole part, right? First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the what? The dead in Christ will rise first. Those who are loved ones, are Christians, they're going first. But guess who's hard on their heels? Us. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up raptural, okay, rapture, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we'll be with the Lord forever. Folks, the Bible says if we're of that generation and we don't know the day nor the hour, but man, by the looks of things, it's getting close. Not only I don't have to be afraid of dying, okay, but I might be in that generation where I don't even die. I get to be raptured, Right? And so you put all this together, no wonder Moses could put up with anything, man. We were dealing with a temporary situation. He dealt with this for 40 years nonstop. How can you do that? He was looking forward to his reward that nobody could take away that you got in God, right? We got a fantastic paradise that nobody could take away. It's a gift from God. You don't even have to earn it because you can't. He's going to give you a brand new spanking body. It's going to be awesome. It's incredible. You get to come back and have a thousand-year adventure of a lifetime. Peace with nature. Righteous government, right? And even the moment you die, you don't have to be afraid, and you might not even die. What in the world, then, are we walking around going, Do you see how obtuse this is? God's watching us. Listen, we're his church. We are the only Bible people may ever read. What are they reading from you, Christian? That we're a bunch of losers? Yeah, come to Jesus and freak out just like me. There's no enticement in that. And it's not that you gotta fake it or act like this situation isn't going on. It's going on. But you're missing the point. When you look forward to what he's won for us, you got the strength, the power, I don't care what you throw my way. Virus, smirus. I'm going with Jesus. And nobody can take it away. Wow. Now that's a witness. We are the body of Jesus Christ. We are a body of winners, not losers. And it's high time we get out there, especially during this time, and let people know they can have the same hope and winning attitude as us. Amen? So we're going to close and remind ourselves We don't know the day nor the hour. I do know that this is a global event. I do know that, at least in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen people react like this. Oh, by the way, if you think this is bad, wait till the rapture happens. But please go in the rapture. I, I, I do know that the previous administration, what was the phrase? Don't let a good crisis go to waste. So something's going to come out of this, folks. I don't know. Wouldn't it be just like the enemy to get everybody totally freaked out? I'm not saying thus saith the Lord and don't say I'm setting dates. But all of a sudden, somebody appears on the scene, some political ruler, and says, hey, I'll fix all these problems. I'll even make peace in the Middle East. You know where I'm going with this. That's the Antichrist in the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. We leave prior to that as the church. I'm not saying that's what's going on here. I will say this, bare minimum, my personal opinion, this is a dry run. 
Waters, if, if this isn't the real thing, folks, this is a testing of the waters to see how people will react when we tell them what to do on a global basis. I'll just leave it at that. But I don't even have to be afraid of that because I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And if the rapture of the church and if we're of that generation and this is what part of this is all about, <laughs> everything we just talked about gets put into play. Heaven, the body, the millennial kingdom, right? A pet tiger. It's gonna be awesome. Jumping his head and still having his head in the bear. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. We get to have potlucks forever. Yeah. Chicken is gone. I hope so. Hey, it's called foul meat pet chicken. No, that, that. We'll just close with this incredible video because we were on a roll there. We were all happy and then somebody threw that one in. But no. <laughs> I won't look at you, sister, but anyway. (laughs) But folks, let's look at what our winning departure could very well look like. Maybe he's on the backside of Jupiter right now heading our way. We don't know, but it could be. Maybe it'll look something like this. We'll close in prayer after this. Of a mighty rushing
church it's not make believe it's real it could happen today in a place beyond our wildest dreams in a body you can't even dream licking and smelling colors having a pet bear it's all real we have so much to look forward to don't get your eyes on this world as the scripture says, keep your mind on things above, not on this earth. This earth will always drag you down 100% of the time. But when you focus on what we have to look forward to, you have to pay somebody to slap the smile off your face. Amen? Let's get out there, especially during this time, and let people know that we're the body of Jesus Christ. We're his church. We're a bunch of winners, not losers. And they could have the same winning attitude as well if they would receive him as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, "...you shall not bear false witness." That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. 
Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. 
Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.